Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here with us on this Monday. What a fun show we've got for you talking about Duke men's basketball. Several players made the decision to declare for the 2022 NBA draft might also have a couple of Duke in the NBA thoughts in regards to the NBA playoffs that are currently taking place. And my buddy Ryan LaVoy is here to help me out and bring you great coverage on today's show. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Be sure to also subscribe to our Locked On Blue Devils YouTube page to watch the show daily. Thank you for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen every single day. All right, Ryan, the boy is here. We're talking about Duke men's basketball and big news over the weekend as Duke found out that Trevor Keels and A.J. Griffin officially declared for the NBA draft, meaning that all five of Mark Williams, Paula Bancaro, Trevor Keels, uh, A.J. Griffin and Wendell Moore Jr. declared for the draft. Jeremy Roach, the only player to officially announce for Duke that he would be coming back to play his junior season. Uh, quite surprised by the Trevor Keels news. I really thought there was a chance that he would be coming back. And if you read Brendan Marks of The Athletic, who has a big-time inside scoop there with Duke Ben's basketball, Brendan Marks makes it seem like there is still very much a possibility that Trevor Keels will come back to Duke if he's not pleased with what he's going to hear uh, from scouts. Mock drafts have Trevor Keels as a top 35 player in the draft right now, and if that's the case, I just don't see a world in which Trevor Keels comes back. And then Paul, or excuse me, AJ Griffin making his decision on Sunday, just prior to the deadline. Again, Sunday at 11:59 p.m. It was the deadline for players to make their early entrant decisions, and AJ Griffin did decide to declare he's a lottery pick for sure going into the draft, likely a top 10 guy as well. So a lot to discuss here with my good buddy, Ryan Lavoy. Ryan, hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Thank you, sir. I, I am indeed, and good to be talking with you again. It's that time of year where I'm trying to figure out everything with the draft process, and I know everyone's kind of focused on the NFL draft right now, but that was a big date just the other day for the uh, NBA or for the college guys to declare or not declare. Obviously, as we all know, they still have a couple months, really, before they have to make the decision official, but you got to take that first step if you are going to go, and so uh, we have a lot of names in the draft pool, as usual. Excited to talk about it. Yeah, we had uh, North Carolina, the Tar Heels, of course, the team that you follow so closely and have been talking about with me on the program a good bit, announced that uh, pretty much everybody's coming back. Caleb Love was the last guy that had to make a decision, and he knew the deadline was coming because he waited until uh, the day of. Much like A.J. Griffin, Caleb Love made his decision yesterday to let the world know uh, that, I, that I'm going to come back and play for North Carolina for one more year. So uh, Leaky Black, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, Armando Baycott, all four of those guys are coming back for the Tar Heels. Yeah, very exciting for, for Carolina for sure. They obviously lose Manic because he was a graduate. He had no more eligibility. But certainly going to be a team that's going to be towards the top of the country coming in the next year. Uh, they hope that they Carolina gets a lot of what they saw in the national championship game from Puff Johnson next year, and that could be the key component. He could become that fifth starter, uh, maybe starting a stretch four. Still got guys like Kerwin Walton on the bench that 
had impacts as freshmen that kind of took a step back last year. Dontre Styles, who got to play a good bit, and then a, a decent recruiting class. It's not going to be Duke's recruiting class, but but still a reputable guys coming in the fold. That if even just one hits for Carolina in their freshman year would be a big help because we know Hebert Davis, at least on his first season, is not worried if he's only playing about seven in the rotation. As long as he feels he's got five, six, seven really good guys, that will be plenty for him. So, yeah, very exciting news for North Carolina, but – you, you used the kind of same situation that UCLA was in this past year. Obviously, they didn't make the run they did, so nothing at all guaranteed, but a great first step for North Carolina. So they've got all those guys coming back. You mentioned a couple of guys that will be returning that were not expected to leave by any stretch of the imagination. DeMarco Dunn and other freshmen that will come back and go into year two of the program. You've got uh, freshmen coming in as well, but you're right. Duke has the number one freshman recruiting class, and a lot of those guys, six Freshman in the incoming Duke recruiting class expected to contribute. Duke still uh, will go to the transfer portal. Most likely, it appears they're really looking for a two guard from all indications and could also use some help on the interior now that Mark Williams and Paulo Bancaro have both declared Theo John, much like Brady Manick, has no more eligibility remaining. John did not have as large of an impact as Brady Manick had this year for the Tar Heels, but a really good guy to have coming off your bench. Uh, honestly give you some fouls that you needed from time to time on the interior some points and rebounds as well of the guys that declared for duke five guys the record for draft picks is five kentucky had that mark uh, just a few seasons ago uh, duke's trying to have that happen they're trying to have five first round picks we'll see whether or not that can happen uh, with those five guys being in there are you surprised by some of the decisions that these duke players made yeah i, I think probably the keels one would be if any surprising I'm, I'm truly not surprised overall by any of them just from the standpoint of you, you mentioned six guys coming in the new class yeah. well you can fill a starting lineup out with that <laughs> and that's not to say those guys would jump keels or maybe window Moore or mark williams but if they had a little bit of drop in their play if they had an injury if it's not even their fault you know they would have a they could lose minutes in the rotation pretty easily if you, if the talented guys are talented and play well from day one so you know with williams he's had a surge and he's up into the the lottery now or, or could be in the lottery uh so the, the, any lottery picks a no-brainer you shouldn't even consider any other circumstances you should go um Wendell Moore, just because he's played a few years now at Duke, look, they start to devalue you the longer you stay in college. They look at the NBA looks at that as one less developmental right. year. So if he was a true freshman, had the year he had, he'd probably be around the lottery as well. Instead, he's what late first, early second, something in there. The miles start to add up, and it, sure. it's, it's definitely um, the age is a factor too. Wendell is in this odd situation. Uh, much like you know, you and I are in the heart of SEC country. We saw it recently with with Kyra Lewis Jr. in Alabama, kind of getting started early. And Wendell is only a few months older than Paulo Bancaro, which, which is, is just crazy mm -hmm. to think about. That by an age number perspective, there's really not that much difference. But when you're talking about the miles that you're playing of Paulo Bancaro in high school basketball 
versus Wendell's been playing a Power 5 ACC schedule for three years Which now. You would think you just value the more time in yeah. college. Like It's <laughs> yeah. not a running back taking hits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I don't really agree with the NBA thought process most of the time there. I mean, I'm fine if you're 22 and you've been in college four years. That could be a little different than someone's 18, 19. But as you said, there's really not a big age difference there. And so I, I feel like he's been penalized just because he's been at Duke, what, three years? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I understand him leaving just because if he comes back another year, imagine how much better he's going to have to play just to gain a few spots in the draft as a four-year player. So I'm not surprised by that. I guess so. I, all that to say, I guess Keels is the most surprising. He didn't shoot the ball very well. Otherwise, I'd say this is like another Gary Trent Jr. because very similar uh measurables there uh play the same position but keels struggled from three unlike gary trent and i I think that he could gain more than others to come back a second year he's still an underclassman so you shouldn't be get the the age penalty that the nba (laughs) scouts start to give uh if he shot the three well if he could shoot around 40 percent next year which i I think he's capable of doing um if he could do that then he could see that big jump into the lottery uh and be a big time prospect still and and look going uh, what's you know late first early second i think his stock's pretty similar to Wendell probably a little better so maybe late first again age probably being the fact that they are just or less time at, at Duke but I think that he look whenever you're a first round pick the age of NIL and I know we won't get into it it does change the equation because if you drop to that second round it's receivable to place like Duke you could make that oh, in yeah. NIL money because I think the second round guys are only getting 900k a year or something like that, and then they're bouncing in the G League and all that. So it's foreseeably just a legit better situation to be in college and be a second round draft pick. But if he feels he'd be in first round pick, then he, I, I think he's okay to do that, and uh, he's still somebody that can develop at the next level. But I think for him, that three ball will be important and and that jump shooting because I know he can do better than 31%, I think, or so, which was he was this year. Let's talk a little bit more about these NBA draft decisions. I want to focus on the team coming in for Duke and how that might have been playing in the minds of some of these Duke men's basketball players in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is absolutely outstanding. Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, 100% real chocolate. I'm not making it up. Low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bar with these. They're just better. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. If you compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, you're making the better decision when you choose built Bar. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. Our show today is also brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, make Athletic Greens a part of your diet. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading 
health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Jervis. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Back here on Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Ryan Lavoie talking about these NBA draft decisions on this Monday edition of the program. And what's so interesting uh, nowadays in this one-and-done era, Duke is so good at recruiting. John Shire is about to step in to his first season as a head coach, has the number one recruiting class. In 2023, he already has five commits, all five stars, and the number one recruiting class. Already starting pretty early. I was about to say, it's going to finish number one. You're going to lock that in. <laughs> and, and with that being said, you have to wonder with these NBA draft decisions, could that possibly be something that's in the back of your mind? I know you and you and I have talked about this a little bit off the air, but you were kind of bringing the point up to me, Ryan, that maybe that is a thought you have if you're worried about someone possibly getting more playing time. Yeah, because, look, you would think as a so-called veteran, even if you're a sophomore, I mean, you got a year on everybody else, you'd think you'd have the first opportunity to be the starter or play whatever. But let's – I mean, it, if the guys behind you are really talented, which in Duke's case they are, and you – let's just say it's not even that you struggled. If you just sprain an ankle a week before the season and yeah. are out two to three weeks – and that other guy gets to go out there, and he's putting in 15 and 7 every game, well, it's like it's going to be hard to take that out of the starting lineup. You, you'll come off the bench, and then maybe if you get in a good groove, you'll start to regain. But maybe your confidence gets hit because maybe you have a situation where you're not up to full speed or you maybe you had a more significant injury than I gave with a sprained ankle, and you're really not up to speed. And so, you know – there's other things that can happen, and that's why I say in general, if you're a first, if you think you're being the first round pick, I don't see the money being better in college. You know, there's not a lot of room to gain all the time, especially if you've been in multiple years like Wendell. And so I, I just, I think the the rule of thumb is first pick or first round pick. Don't think about it. Just go. You know, if you're a tweener between the first and second, go through the process, and that's what kills are going to do here and see what they're saying. See if you're kind of trending up or trending down. If you're trending down towards the mid to late second, then you come back at that point, I, right. I feel like. But, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it, certainly. when you Not every school has to deal with it. This is a very unique problem to Duke, and maybe Kentucky <laughs> can say that, is that you're bringing in so much talented that some years you can argue that the guys you're bringing in are more talented than the guys you have, and those guys are pretty good too. So it's a unique problem. It's not something that you just go to Texas Tech and be like, I don't know if I'll keep my job because four guys could be better than me. It's a very unique problem to do. Give me a thought on Jeremy Roach coming back for his junior season. People heard you here on this podcast. You were on with us every single week during the month of March, during the March Madness run, and you talked a lot about how Jeremy Roach just kept that Duke team going. He was their go-to clutch guy at the end of basketball games. Uh, but Jeremy Roach, the point guard, is coming back for his junior season to play for Duke. Yeah, I, I think his improvement and development was very important. And you know that uh, I, I guess I'm a big Jeremy Roach fan. I, <laughs> am I allowed to do that as a North Carolina fan? I don't know. But I, I just think that 
you saw very clearly it was not see with Wendell you saw improvement from year to year like you just at the beginning of this year you just knew he was better than the year before but with Jeremy Roach at the beginning of the year you felt okay out of all the guys I'd be fine if I'm the opponent if Jeremy Roach shoots or if Jeremy Roach runs things because it's not Bancaro and it's not the way Wendell Moore's playing and it's not Keels and I just feel like it's a win for the defense if Roach is doing something with the ball but by the end of the year, you didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way. I felt like he gained a lot of confidence, and he made a lot of tough shots around the lane and orchestrated the offense really well. And so if I can see that marketed of a development from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, if he can continue on that trend, then he's going to become an excellent point guard. Uh, and I think I saw you say something about there's not many guys that have even gotten – this experience to start at point guard in a while is Quinn Cook the last one uh, that I think I saw so you don't get this very often and that's not a bad that's a good thing that that Jeremy Roach is coming back because like I said I, I think that we have a tendency because some schools have so many guys go in and out so quickly that if you don't do it from year one you're kind of not a bust but you're a little disappointing but there's still guys at Duke and everywhere, that still reliably progress. And it's good to see that of Jeremy Roach. He is reliably progressed. I know he's a big-time recruit, and they almost always are, but his track was just a little slower. But he's catching up, and I think he's going to be a really solid player next year. A.J. Griffin is a projected top-10 pick in this year's NBA draft. At one point, he was shooting greater than 50% from three-point range. He mightily struggled in the game against North Carolina in the Final Four, going 0 for 5 from deep in that one, uh, which really hurt that Duke basketball team that night. But still, a lot of people love the way he shoots the basketball. 6-6, it was his first full year of basketball in three years. He barely played his junior and senior year of high school, so the confidence is coming back in his knees and and just legs. And uh, his dad is an assistant coach right now for the Toronto Raptors, but... Uh, give me your thoughts on A.J. Griffin going to the league. Yeah, and, and maybe this is from, you know, I, let me ask you this, actually. I know okay. you just asked me a question. How do you feel about Griffin's off-the-bounce ability? Because I, I feel like he's a great shooter. Yeah. And if you shoot 50% great shooter, and he should project as that in the NBA. We didn't see enough of it. Right. That's, that, that's what I'm getting at is a top-10 pick, you really want that player to be an all-star player one day. Now, if you're number nine or number 10, you don't have to be like every a 12-time all-star. But ideally, top 10 players go going to make an all-star team at some point. And I think Griffin's going to be an, a great shooter. But I think that's the part of his game that will need betterment, I, I guess, need improvement. Because I just don't feel like if teams had a pretty good defender – that he could get his own shot very easily. Right. And is that kind of That's what fair. you saw? And I, I'm not trying to – he's going to be a, a great pick. And like I said, he's going to shoot the ball very well at the minimum. But I think for him to really unlock that all-star ability – that's going to be the part of the game that he's going to need to work on. Because I feel like, for instance, in that Final Four game, Carolina kind of decided, Bancaro's going to score, period. It doesn't matter who's guarding him. <laughs> But we're going to try and take their second-best player out of the game. And, and Leaky Black did that. And, and Griffin was not affected because he couldn't get himself free from a good defender. And to be fair, there's not many Leaky Blacks that are that long and lanky in college, but there are in the NBA. And so I think he'd be great coming off screens. I think he's going to be a good shooter. But I think for AJ, I think 
if he become to become that true all star player that you'd love a top ten pick to be, I feel like the off the bounce game is going to have to get better. We're going to talk about Duke in the NBA playoffs and sort of wrap up our conversation when we come back in just a moment. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Final segment here today of Locked On Blue Devils. Again, I'm J.J. Jackson hanging out with Ryan Lavoy, talking about everything going on uh, in the world of Duke men's basketball. And in this community, that includes the Brotherhood and the NBA and the performances that they're going on. Again, this is our Monday morning edition of the program. And with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about some of the guys that are making headlines in the NBA postseason. The Kyrie Irvings, the Jason Tatums, the Seth Currys, Gary Trent Jr. back from injury with the Toronto Raptors. I mean, there's a good number of Duke players making their way around uh, the NBA playoffs. Hey, look, Duke has that on Carolina. <laughs> there's no doubting that, right? Uh, Jason, can we, let's start with Tatum because okay. it, I feel like we've talked maybe last year in the podcast. I, I don't know. It's fuzzy memory. Maybe it's just one of our many conversations just in day-to-day, right. day-to-day life. But Tatum was on the cusp. Like, he's an all-star caliber player, but he's in that, like, 11 to 20 range where he's, like, really damn good, but he's not quite elite. Like, he needs that one, that killer moment or killer series or season or whatever to take that final step into top five, seven player in the league. I think he's in the process of making that step right now. He had a really good regular season, averaged, like, 27 a game, and he has been, he has been better – than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's one of those aforementioned top five players in the league. Some right. would say he's the best. You'd say Giannis, whatever. But he's one of the five best players in the league, no matter who you are. And Tatum's outplaying him. And so I think this is the moment where you're saying Tatum has gone from an all-star player who's still damn good, top 15 in the league, but he's jumping into that A-plus tier. He's jumping into that top five player in the league tier. And – and I think that's momentous. I think Boston needed that because they've got a collection of really good players that fit well, that play hard. You know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Daniel Tice, all these guys, quality players that fit their organization mentality. But you still need a leader of that group. And Jalen Brown has never quite gotten to Tatum's level, but I guess you could have said a year or so ago with Jalen Brown's improvement that okay, it's foreseeable that Brown reaches Tatum, then you just have kind of 1A and 1B. And now it's clear Tatum's 1, Brown's 2, and Tatum's 1 is as high as a 1 gets pretty much. And remember, he's still like 24. And so it's not (laughs) like this is off schedule. Like this is about when it happens for guys like this. Giannis at 21 was not the Giannis of 25, 26. So uh, I I think Tatum, I think we're just seeing in this very series – a changing of the guard between long, lanky, small forwards from from the Durant. Durant's still going to be great for a couple more years, but Tatum becoming on that same level, and I think that's very, very big for the Eastern Conference, very big for the Celtics. Going to be a first-team All-NBA player. Kyrie has been outstanding, unfortunately, uh, from the Brooklyn perspective. Tatum has been so great in the series. It's 3-0 right now in favor of 
the Boston Celtics. What about Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen, over the past two games for the Milwaukee Bucks, with 49 points, has outscored every player on the Chicago Bulls in those last two games. He's had consecutive games with five three-pointers made, which no one had ever done before in the Milwaukee Bucks history in the postseason. And uh, they're the reigning NBA champs. Well, I mean, you needed someone to step up if you're Milwaukee because they lose Chris Milton to the sprained MCL. Uh-huh. And they've just blasted Chicago twice in a row. And part of that is Giannis, you know, just doing Giannis things and deciding I'm I'm the reigning champ and we're just going to move people how I need to move them and we're going to win. But you need role players to play well. And, and typically in the NBA playoffs, the role players play better at home. And Grayson – Maybe maybe it feels like home for Grayson to be booed vehemently by <laughs> by a, a road crowd, yeah. uh, but he stepped up the game and he is. You said forty nine points yeah. in the last two. That's Chris Middleton's production right. right there. I mean, he's a twenty to twenty five point scorer, and Grayson Allen has scored twenty to twenty five a game. So uh, he's been tremendous for them. He's kind of been a little underrated. He's one of those guys that was in college a lot longer, so maybe devalued a little bit in the draft process because he had been in school for a little while but look he's always played hard he has shot the ball really well he shot it well at the end of his Duke career and he's shooting it well now and look you can never you know overestimate guys just play the game hard and I know that that he rubs some people the wrong way we're not gonna getting into that but at the end of the day if he's on your team you know he's going to give you his best and he's going to give you great effort and unfortunately you still see and I could I could point go back to that Brooklyn and Boston series. It still feels like guys, even in the first round of the NBA playoffs, don't always have that edge. But Grayson's always going to have that edge, and you can never count someone like that out. It's his third NBA team. He started with the Utah Jazz, was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. He started uh, his Milwaukee tenure with reporters asking him about the fact, hey, you're playing for Wisconsin's team. And one of your biggest moments in your life was being the the hero for Duke in the national championship game against Wisconsin. And now they're all having to root for Grayson Allen on the professional level, which is still pretty funny. Here are the numbers. Last two games in Chicago for Grayson, 25.4, or excuse me, 24.5 points per game, four rebounds, two steals, 75% from the floor, 79% from three-point range, and 100% from the free throw line. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think Milwaukee yeah, will take it. I don't think it. you do better. Yeah, I think Milwaukee will take it. Ryan, it's a pleasure to chat with you as always. Thank you again for uh, coming by the show and talking with me. I enjoyed it, man. I I'm happy to do this. I'll be on anytime you need. That's Ryan Lavoy joining us here on Lockdown Blue Devils. He is on Twitter at Ryan Lavoy Zero. Make sure that you give him a follow over there. That's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening and watching Locked On Blue Devils here today on this Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each day. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.